Not Exactly Radio back at it again. Hey, what's going on? It's me, your boy, Benny K, and Tony. Uh, with extra Tony, with a side of Tony. On a plane, Ooh. Tony. On a plane, Tony. And that's kind of funny. I can't wait to talk about that song because I fucked up. Anyways, uh, <laughs> hey, welcome back. Uh, we brought Kevin. He's always back here. It's good stuff. Kevin, what's up? Uh, Antarctica got anywhere. shut down. I just... <laughs> like, he can't research in Antarctica with a virus going on. You got to go back. No, home. we can't. That's they, we, they tried that before. Uh, there was a documentary mm-hmm. about it. Uh, it's called The Thing. Kurt Russell's it, in it. And this <laughs> shit is kind of like The Thing. Like, because, like, again, these crazy assholes protesting don't understand asymptomatic carrying. Wilfred Brimley ran the tests, and it shows, like, within a month, everyone has it if you just operate normally. So, how about don't? Yeah. Yeah. So, just, like, uh, um, so, yeah, uh, fucking assholes, fucking idiots, but, yeah, uh, it, this, this thing is the thing. Like, you might not, you don't know if you have it. You might, you might have the thing. You might be the thing. You know, to quote another, uh, sci-fi horror luminary. Uh, if we break quarantine, we could all die. That's, I thought you were going to be like, no, that's we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Speaking of horror masters, uh, John Carpenter uh, made a anthology, hour and a half, three horror shorts called Body Bags in the early 90s. Ooh. We watched it okay. last night. A lot of fun. It's on Amazon okay, Prime. It's an hour and a half worth of, uh, it, it's half, it, you know, it's half horror, half camp. Like, it's Tales okay. from the Crypt style. John Carpenter plays the, like, uh, uh, coroner that is basically a ripoff of the Crypt Keeper anyways. <laughs> and he just plays them in between each uh, short. And the third one features Mark Hamill. In all of his oh, great acting glory. He's such a phenomenal actor. Oh, he's horrible. Uh, was but, that sarcasm? I feel like oh, that was, it was sarcasm. horrible. He was horrible, but <laughs> it was still it was good. It was because it's campy, but he was so horrible. Um, he plays a baseball player who loses his eye, and then oh, he God. gets an eye transplant, and the eye came from a devious source. <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> so he oh really struck out of that. But yeah, body bags, a lot of fun body bags remember that good quarantine movie thank you so much actually you know it's kind of funny tonight we're uh, amber and i are watching uh surf nazis surf must Na- die <laughs> surf nazis must die <laughs> i must love die. that movie yeah. we're, we're watching that tonight because we found the, like the worst rated movie our friend of my, a friend of ours found this worst rated movie and he's like we're gonna watch this shit tonight surf let's nazis. do it I'm like, uh surf nazis must die is an excellent movie i don't know who's rating it terribly I, I is can't, it is it I can't cheap wait. and like low production quality sure but you know it's what? also about surf Nazis and they must be dying. So well, like... here's the thing. But then if you watch the trailer, it's like it's a five minute trailer, and then it's like first half of the trailer, it's like talking about surf Nazis, and you have like these kids wearing swastikas and drawing them on their face and shit. And then in the middle of the the uh, of the trailer, it's just like, but the protagonist is someone you wouldn't expect, and it's like this sassy black woman who's and I love awesome. her so much. She's the best. Yeah. I can't wait. I really can't wait. So, all right. If you couldn't tell, uh, speaking of the early '90s, we're talking about Nirvana's Nevermind. 
Like, you could definitely <laughs> have already figured that out between talking about surf Nazis and how they must die and... Uh, yeah, because surf Nazis were a big thing in the 90s. And asymptomatic COVID carriers. It, it it's, it's all to do with Nevermind. Yeah. And what is Nevermind? <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's get into Nevermind. So uh, Nevermind was this like little album released by this small band Nirvana in uh, September 24th, 91. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I just heard of those guys. Yeah, I never knew exactly. who they were. Um, but yeah, uh, it features a naked baby with his dong on the front. And I've always loved all the <laughs> memes where they're like... <laughs> feeling old well this is the nirvana baby grown up <laughs> it's just like just all the variations of that but um but yeah so we're talking nirvana um one of the most nine influential bands in the 90s um i mean what is there to say uh the drummer even went on to do his own thing um i even yeah, who was that again uh dave girl I was gonna. Oh, if I was gonna go, if I was gonna continue being (laughs) an idiot and trying to do stand up, I was working on a bit about the idea of any straight man who likes rock is still a little gay for Dave Grohl because it's kind of weird. Like, (laughs) men's feelings towards Dave Grohl are very intense. I, we know multiple. We, that, I yeah. think we all know multiple people. We are multiple people. Looking at you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say. I think two out of the three of us in this chat right now. Um, I, I I will admit to being a girl sexual. Yeah, that was. He has a that... hold on men that are typically straight, but he still has a hold on them, anyways. Yeah. No. Um, I get that. So there's something about that guy, but he's also in this band, and also a uh, guy that. Went on to be a congressperson from Wyoming. Oh. Chris Novoselic. Well. He kind of just, after <laughs> post-Nirvana, went on, and now he's just a politician. I thought he joined Foo Fighters for a little bit, too. Maybe. maybe... Uh, yes and no. It, we don't have to get into it because it's long and convoluted, but there was, okay, a brief time, there was a brief time where he was touring with the band. Oh okay. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just okay. Well, okay. One last thing. It was just during it was just during the uh, City and Lights album tour, right? Wasn't it? Uh, was that what the album was called? Did I fuck it up? No, Color and the Shape is what. Color and the Shape. Wow. No. Who the fuck? Uh, I am dumb. City and Lights. I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> um. But yeah. So. Uh. Also. I mean, just because he gets zero rub. Um, the other funny thing about Chris Novoselic is his uh, freaking name's wrong in the credits for this album. No shit. Because <laughs> his name's Chris, K-R-I-S-T, but uh, they put yeah. it as Chris through the whole thing. <laughs> and, I, and maybe he was just going for Chris for a while, and then, I don't know, and then changed his mind. It's like, eh, no, that, you know, maybe enough people convince him. Uh, your first name's actually more rock and roll if you keep it Chris. Yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a funny note, because it's Chris Novoselic through the rest of Nirvana. But for some reason, never mind. Imprinted it, Chris. Uh, so, some other interesting <laughs> notes about this album. I mean, just because everybody knows it. I'm not going to repeat everything. Um, and if you don't know it, you don't care to know it, really. Like, outside of, it was funny when Lil Nas apparently never listened to Nevermind in his life. When, uh... <laughs> 
that uh, the Panini came out that intrapolated uh, in bloom. Oh, that was mm. yeah. Was it no? It wasn't in bloom. Was it? It was something else. It was uh, no. Yeah, it's uh, in bloom because it does the. He's the one who likes. Oh, pre- and it does that. Uh, say to me yeah. what you want. Okay, me. wasn't there? There was another artist that we listened to. I, I don't know if it was like Anderson Pack or if it was. Uh, well, no, it's uh, someone- Kid Cudi with uh, Kid See Ghosts. Cudi loves Nirvana, though. That's like, it. That was the one. Yeah. Thank so you. like versus because uh, yeah versus. Uh, so Lil Nas, who never listened to Nevermind in his life, which obviously that was just the producer's call to, like, do this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Cuddy, like, loves Nirvana and had a big, uh, what's-her-face, Courtney, to allow him to use that. And it's, mm-hmm. like, actually, I recently bought Kids See Ghosts on vinyl and listened to it again, and it's such a fantastic song, and it's so... Uh, Kurt Cobain, that guitar in the beginning where it's kind of out of tune and has that creepy really sound like he used to put on his acoustic work. Like, it's yeah. just, it's a perfect intro. I could see why he needed it on that album. But, yeah, that's... Uh, but that it, it, it's interesting to bring up, yes, because uh, Nirvana has really did transcend its genre. Um, mm-hmm. and I think we should talk about that. I think the bulk of the episode might be talking about that. Uh, but I'll point out some other interesting things. Uh, sure. So this was released on Geffen. This was their uh, major label debut. Uh, they went with Geffen because Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth told them to go with them. Uh, Kim Gordon is good. She uh, is still out there doing the work. She's a proud socialist. I love her. Uh so for the preparation of Nevermind, Cobain wrote a number of songs that were influenced by bands like the Melvins, R.E.M., the Smithereens, and the Pixies. All very good bands. I'm pretty sure uh, you could include the Violent Femmes on that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Meat Puppets, I know, was another one. Um, but uh, another inter- interesting thing is... Not really interesting, it's just important to note because some artists don't really get this specific, but he was a full music before lyrics person. All the music was transposed. You don't say. All the you music don't transposed say. before any of the lyrics. Uh, and that's why some of them are hard to translate or discern. It- because <laughs> who the fuck knows? You know, it's yeah, better version of Red Hot Chili Peppers lyrics. <laughs> where it's well, not it, utter it, nonsense, but it can get close. It reminds <laughs> me it, of well, the story of uh, how he wrote About a Girl uh, for their first album where... He was just trying to write a Beatles song, and it very much, when you say that, has that kind of uh, Beatles influence where infamously uh, Paul McCartney, when he was writing yesterday, just had was working on the music and was using the words uh, scrambled eggs as opposed to singing about anything deep and whatnot. Oh. So it's kind of like Kurt was doing the same thing and then just never really got around to changing the lyrics to making them mean anything other than, other than being some fun there's some fun wordplay across right. this album that i really enjoy and the, and the thing is it reminds me just i think it's probably the best way to go about writing music in general um when i was a kid and i thought it was such a poetic artist i used to think lyrics yeah. mattered more but really you gotta get the music down first 
<laughs> um, for sure, for sure. Uh, but God damn it, Tony is one hell of a writer. If you don't read any <laughs> well, of his stuff, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fucking read it. Read it's any of stuff. my stuff. I don't have anything out there. I you do. Been... You got that? I bought that. I bought <laughs> oh, that short yeah, story book one, a long time ago. Thing, yeah, thank you. Uh, but it was fucking this great though. Manuscript that because uh, the world got too real. I just now add only sentences to um, right now. But uh, one day. Um, I also. Uh, you brought up how uh, Kurt wrote music before he wrote lyrics, and that kind of reminds me of how uh, how much you don't really like The Offspring because they did the same thing, and in the '90s they kind of sounded like Nirvana. So it's kind of <laughs> funny that you know. Um, but uh, also, so I know because you know Kurt, maybe not the most uh, 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 even keeled fellow, used to just fucking hate writers writing about his work because they would just mm -hmm. discern so much from his lyrics and of course misinterpret it all and always make it sound way worse than it was so like um but uh nice thing or fun thing reading about this background is just again what a cheeky bastard he really was in the best kind of ways um he really didn't give a shit about titles and stuff uh he wanted to call nevermind sheep for the longest time and he just referred to it as that because sheep are gonna go up, are gonna show up and buy this record only. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so that's why I just wanted to call it sheep. Um, they went with Butch Vig as a producer, and that's fun because he has a Wisconsin connection. Because Butch Vig is yeah, not from a bad, Madison, uh, not a bad uh, guy. Um, and the fun thing is, if you look up his Wikipedia, his nickname is Nevermind Guy. That is apparently what he is. <laughs> that is what he is known as in the industry. That's that's so hey, sad because he was in guy. garbage. He was in garbage, and I love that he was well, in garbage. And, and he's that. produced a lot of good work, but at the same time, never oh, mind. Yeah. Is like it's in the Library of Congress. That's another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, this is the oh. second album that uh, officially is in there. I feel some other ones probably are, but uh, Prince is the other one I remember. Mm. So never mind. Mm -hmm. Is in the Library of Congress. Uh, so. Uh, being, I mean, having your nickname, and having the nickname as you know the guy that produced a record in the Library of Congress, eh, not the worst nickname. Uh, no. But yeah, uh, Butch Vig from Wisconsin. Um, and then I went and looked at all of his credits just to refresh, and uh, it reminded me. And this is probably why there was such a schism with fans because uh, Butch Vig is uh, he's he likes to push bands in brave directions or whatever. Uh, against me, did New Wave with him. Oh, that's the first time they, I did not know that. That's the first time they worked with Butch Vig. Then they worked with him on White Crosses too. But I, that's definitely where. You could see probably his influence was probably where the disconnect really started. Yep. And we're all New Wave likers, though. I like New Wave. Yes. I love New Wave. Yep. Yep. I mean, um, yep. Same. Uh, I want to say it's Animal, where even when uh, I caught against me last year during their uh, post-Riot Fest show, uh, they mentioned that it's, like the worst song on the album that they wouldn't even play it if they like weren't just <laughs> doing a thing where they were playing the album in its entirety uh but if if there's something to butch vig's production style it's it might be a little too clean a little too mm -hmm. uh, uh produced and i know that's what nirvana then railed against with in utero that they wanted to do something like mm -hmm. dirty and distorted and well bring uh, yeah bring as, back the 
disgusting bring back the heroin influence basically <laughs> well, that's also that's also funny that you brought that up because uh butch vig actually tricked kurt cobain into doing multiple tracks on the guitar to make it sound cleaner even though kurt cobain did not want that whatsoever mm. so that's kind of funny that you brought that up there uh, you know he- Kurt, uh, there's a great classic vinyls documentary that, and I know it's a VH1 thing, so it's got all of VH1's fingerprints all over it, but uh, yeah. I remember one of the things he mentions is that he used to just be able to say to Kurt, is like, you know, it's something that uh, John Lennon used to do, and you're like, oh, John Lennon would do that? I guess I kind of have to go and do that now, huh? <laughs> if, it was good, if it was good enough for the Beatles, it was good enough for me yeah <laughs> and, and it's funny because yeah this is so this was like the last decade where like beatles worship was the <laughs> thing of let's keep <laughs> yeah, going back sure. to that um because and it's funny because fans like nirvana kind of took that <laughs> no yep. longer have to look back Absolutely. to the beatles let's look back to nirvana because i'm pretty sure uh, like basically every like punk band any band in general had to have probably Nirvana fans in it. All your early bands. Yeah, for sure. Like, there was at least one Nirvana head. Uh, my Nirvana head year was uh, freshman year. That was my big okay. year for them. Uh, ben, you were the non-Nirvana head in our groups because you didn't even listen to Nevermind until now, I, did, I did you? I did not listen to Nevermind until right now, but, like, uh, I still liked him a lot. Like, I yeah. didn't realize Well, I'm not how, saying you're a uh, hater, but, like... Oh, yeah, no. There's, but, like... There's the you, heads, though, look, that go all into it and all the extra yeah, albums for sure. and all the stories and everything. And then there's the guys, like, yeah, they're kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, no. That's the thing about it. But when I when you first hear this album, I kind of already did listen to this album because it's just, like, front-loaded with singles. And then yeah. there's a couple mm-hmm. s- singles sprinkled mm-hmm. in the back, too. Um, so, like, I still, I, I technically kind of yeah, listen so to it, and I love, I love that. It isn't fair to say you never did it, because so <laughs> many of these are so known that you basically did. For sure. Uh, now, let's, let's do it. Let's yeah. get into, let's get into Nirvana, uh, Nevermind by Nirvana here. So, starting off Instead super of spending hot. too much time with the first three, uh, how about, let's... Out of the three mega singles, so Smells Like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are, and uh, In Bloom, Bloom. Uh, which one is the one that calls to you the most this day? And then which one In Bloom. did you... In Bloom? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, In Bloom's fantastic. In Bloom. Uh, In Bloom, yeah. it really is fantastic. Uh, Come As You Are is the first one I was into because that opening guitar riff I still really enjoy to this day um and then when i realized smells like teen spirit i realized was didn't realize was nirvana i just realized it as the radio song when i eventually heard it oh that song that's been (laughs) playing on the radio since i was five years old (laughs) for sure um but for as it goes smells like teen spirit uh kind of it's like probably the top run song of the 90s and Mm -hmm. I, i can't take anything away from that because it's like uh, I think it. I think it honestly is like the grunge song. Oh yeah. Not just the '90s, but of grunge in general. Oh yeah. It's, just the, it's the yeah. most grunge song, song on this record too. Yeah. Like it's just. Um, it, it's just that the disgusting guitars, the soft and hard, soft and hard. Just it's it's yeah. all there. Um. Yes. Yeah, so I think like we can't really take it away. Like obviously the winner is going to be "Smells Like Teen Spirit" if you're going to talk about Nirvana. Um. But then, also, you have, like, very, like, I don't know, like, In Bloom is probably my favorite uh, Nirvana song of all time, for me, at least, um, because I think I love the drums 
so much. I, okay, fun, weird fact is that uh, um, when there was like a demo of like Rock Band 3, I think this song was in it, and I used to do uh, um, In Bloom on the drums all the time because they didn't have the kick drum, and I always suck when the kick drums evolve, but I could do everything else. <laughs> so like, I was like in the middle of like a Best Buy playing this song over and over again on the drums, and I like felt like... Yeah, I felt like I nailed it. Um, oh, also, yeah. one more fun fact about this song. I played this song on Amber's butt. Yeah! <laughs> also, don't do that. <laughs> no, it's too late. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, just fucking classic mega hits. They're, 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 just, they're just good. Um, yeah. And then... Breed is awesome. Uh, Breed's your oh for sure. Breed's Breed your kicks punk so song. much ass. It, it's hmm. the most punk song on the record, and so now we can go into how the fuck, like, because was it one of you? Did somebody ask the stupid prototypical question if Cobain didn't if Cobain didn't kill himself with the Nirvana, then still the legendary band? It was probably is. me. Uh, see, I I was cooking up that hot take. And it's still, yeah. oh yeah, there we go. And it's still, it's still easy for me to say yes because this band, unlike its other contemporaries who are good and are valid and all that, they just encapsulated so many different versions of rock music. Because mm-hmm. this is a like, this would go on a punk band soundtrack. This could be on a, you know, it could be you know any uh, heavy metal band. Like it, it just has so much to it. Mm-hmm. Like as a punch-in-the-face song. Like, it, it, you know, it's from a grunge band, but you can hear all these other, like, bands that would go on to sound much like this. And it's just... Yeah. Uh, uh, thinking on, like, people say, like, oh, if they would have still been putting out music, like, what if they just only put out bad records from then out? Uh, Pearl Jam did that. They, <laughs> they, they've been very spotty since yeah. uh, Vitology. <laughs> And they sell out, like, ballparks and football stadiums. Mm-hmm. So it's not like bad albums would hurt their uh, legacy. And then also, if the truth of Kurt Cobain being just, like, he was about to quit music, mm-hmm. uh, all I think of is how big uh, the Misfits reunion show was for Riot Fest. And how wow. that's just one of the biggest... And then just elevate that from being, like, a cult a classic band to with. a Nirvana, like I, <laughs> Nirvana. I can't, I can't Nirvana, <laughs> Nirvana. So excited he no, called uh, it Nirvana. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of have to go off of that because I mean, maybe like that's what makes a band legendary. Like they would still be legendary now because of this album. Like, like he said with Pearl Jam and Vitology, uh, and they're still selling out ballparks all over the United States and like Nirvana would probably do the same thing like because of this album and and like they still have a couple more and the thing is is because Cobain was a was an innovator he really you know with uh, the way he encapsulated this all these different sounds again with like melodic bands like the Pixies and then also matching it up with a harder sound Uh, the thing that I feel sad about reflecting uh, a world he didn't get to see is probably the more fragmented music world of the internet mm-hmm. wouldn't give him as much a fucking attention anymore. Like, yeah. you can stay off social media and still be a mu- big music, you know, be musical artist. Mm. So he could just quietly make his music. 
Because I know we used to hate that the spotlight and the cameras would always be on them because there's no internet, so you got to get your music news from the fucking MTV. <laughs> right. So right, right. cameras are constantly on them and bugging them, and versus like the internet age, yeah, it's sometimes hard to escape, but you don't even have to be on social media and still be a popular artist if you want to be. Mm-hmm. There's ways to it's get actually, your music out. It's actually kind of funny that you brought up the Pixies because, like, Kurt Cobain himself was even like, I should have been in like a Pixies cover band or played with the Pixies mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, because he, he did like take those soft sounds and uh, become louder during songs. And it's kind of funny moving on to Lithium there. That's kind of like their softer song. And, and it's what, what's weird about it is that it highlights a lot of mental illness like uh, yes. bipolar, this manic is, depression. This, this is one of the ones that are the closest to hitting on truths where it isn't just him fucking around with your head playing with you, right. your mind trying to act like he's talking singing about but stuff really still, serious you can actually discern but it's still like very terrifying because the song sounds kind of happy mm-hmm. but he's still talking about these very negative not i shouldn't say negative but these sad things well, I, I think it's because uh, i think again one of <laughs> he's not you can't read too much into too many you got to take the little bits that might be truths and just calling it lithium is probably when he's feeling better because he probably feels those things but he's taking his medication so he's feeling less you know less numb to those things so you know this is him talking about it so this is probably during one of those better mental health periods if you can Mm. write a song called about basically about the medication you're taking to feel better and opening yeah. up about these things, so I, so it's it's a catchy tune, and it's also one that, you know, I can feel like, oh, this is probably when he was feeling better. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, going on to uh, Polly, uh, this uh, this one kind of has a trigger warning, and this is kind of like one of their straightforward songs where he doesn't really fuck around with it because uh, it's weird to say that Nirvana. Uh, we're very big advocates of, you know, not raping people. Uh, and it's kind of weird that people have to be advocates for that. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, but this is one of those songs, because this song was about a girl uh, that was abducted and, and raped. But thankfully, she escaped, and the man that abducted her uh, was caught and sent to jail uh, right away. And, and, like, as 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 negative as some of Kurt Cobain's views might be, uh, it is kind of cool that he was able to be straightforward with us but like hey this is a real problem we need to work on this like and and uh it was it's such a quintessential 90s where it sounds like it could be an innocent song on the, yeah absolutely <laughs> on the surface layer um no it, it, it's it just goes along with all those other bands just singing about the worst stuff uh and right. making it sound catchy uh right. between this and stone temple pilots uh sex type thing where like you dig into the lyrics is like, oh, this is being sung from the point of view of the predator, and I'm like, yeah, singing along with this, uh, yeah, that yeah. feels weird, yes. yeah, yeah, uh, not good, not good. But it's also an interesting foil to their song "Rape Me Off of In Utero," where that one's yeah. sung from the point of view of the abused, uh, where that one like just has so much inherent anger. But both of the songs like they speak in short phrases where you just get across. Uh, the mindset of either uh, individual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No. Um, yeah. Uh, to it just kind of shows like th- their their ability to you know 
like I said before, like be able to speak nonsense and something you might not understand, uh, then all of a sudden just turn the dial a little bit and just be straightforward about something. Um, moving on to territorial pissing, uh, that's also kind of another thing that would fit in today's world because I feel like it talks a lot about toxic masculinity. Uh, and this is like before it was even, I don't even know if it was called toxic masculinity back in the 90s or anything. Um, it definitely was not. It but, was called just being a jock. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> but, that, but what I do like about this song is that it has that me- <laughs> that message. Uh, but then also it, uh, it kind of takes me back to like a like a hardcore punk scene. Like I, I imagine the song being played in like a basement where everyone's like fucking shirtless and moshing and uh, just destroying shit and throwing shit around. That's what kind of reminded me of this song. And uh, again, just sounds like so many different genres. Like you can hear, I mean, it's just it, it's another song that makes you really feel like super kick-ass. Uh, I remember it was in Shoot 'Em Up for a scene, uh, the Clive uh, Owen movie. That's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a, it's the first. Kill someone where, with a uh, carrot. Yep, it's the first scene where he kills somebody with a carrot, and that's in Nirvana's territorial pissings is playing during the perfect perfect song to play during like a shoot a shooting scene. You do need to watch Shoot 'Em Up. You will laugh the whole time. Shoot. <laughs> it's okay, hilarious right. movie. Uh, at one point, right, he right, is skydiving in the air, shooting people. Like, he jumps I out of like a plane that. chasing enemies, and he's just shooting them all while he's flying through the air. It's got is Paul Giamatti in it being just, like, super gross and skeevy. It's it's great. It's, it's just... It, it, is this the... Is it that, the, that POV movie where, like, you see... Uh, like, no, no that's Hardcore Henry. Like, oh. I heard Hardcore okay, Henry's pretty fun, too, though. But I don't know if I could watch it. I, I, I also... Movie. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think I'd get sick. Because if I can't even fucking play Doom without dying, I don't think I'd be able to watch that movie. <laughs> it does have crazy motion um, blur. I get it. Anyways. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, so let's go on to Drain You, another one of their singles. Kicks ass, Drain oh, You. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I was just, uh, uh, drain... I was just following you. Okay. Uh, drain You, another one of their singles. Uh, there's seriously like a, a billion singles on this album. And that's kind of crazy. Probably what made this uh, album legendary. Um, I like Drain You. It's cool. But I also didn't realize uh, that Kurt, uh, Kurt was actually dating somebody from uh, Bikini Kill. Oh. Yeah. yeah uh, on, what's her last name? It's Toby. But I'm blanking on what her last Toby. name is. Uh, <laughs> Toby Toby. I'll, I'll find it later and you can put it in some episode notes uh, right. but yeah like there, there's actually <laughs> like just going through the lyrics i would and i know some of them are like um, they're uh people reading into the lyrics but also some are like kind of verified like there's a lot about their relationship that's just in these lyrics that uh whether it's one or two lines or an entire song like the next one is like actually verified and an unset letter that it was like, Lounge Act, this is just a song about our relationship. Uh, and also happens to be just my favorite song on the album. Uh, okay. That that bass line that opens it up is just, it's so smooth. And Kurt apparently joked that it sounded like a uh, lounge singer's like bass line that would get played. So that's where the uh, title of the song comes from. 
Uh, but after that, then just like the wallop of the drums and Kurt crashing in, and it just kicks in the fucking door, and how it just mm-hmm. lyrically bounces around. And it's it. I just fucking love the song. It's so good. And uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. And naming the title off of just the baseline and stuff, like it's stories like this when you read into this band where it feels so much like a garage band that accidentally like blew up because they were talented enough to but they're still just you know this is their major label debut and they're just naming the song after just the baseline <laughs> like that just feels like such an amateur way of like ah this is a pretty good song guys what should we call it Object, like because that base, <laughs> like it, it just feels like a very unprofessional way to go about naming tracks off your major label debut, but in a like you know in a rock and roll way. Of who gives a fuck? It's just you know a song on an album. Mm. <laughs> so I love it. Um, yeah. Um, moving into "Stay Away," I think that's just kind of a fun song about how like. Uh, I don't want to say how, like, famous they got, because I think, like, they were just, like, reaching... Not I don't want to say the peak of their 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 uh, famousness, if It's you probably... Uh, well, with, he was already getting annoyed with attention. Yeah. This man right. hated attention. <laughs> he liked it's, playing it's rock music, very, but this man hated attention. <laughs> it's, it's actually very funny, because, like, In Bloom was actually a song about, like, Fairweather fans and how they weren't, like... Uh, or, like, it's just, like, how they weren't really, like, with them... When they should have been with them, and then the if you're screaming the chorus back at them, it's kind of very ironic. Uh, Stay away, uh, kind of builds off of that a little bit, saying like "fucking fuck you guys, just fuck off." I mean, also, he wanted to call the album sheet. Like, yeah, that's that's. Yeah. <laughs> he was not excited um, for all the people flocking to the arena. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, you know, and I put then the, also. Uh, in, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I put down the incesticide lighter notes. Uh, quote that he put down and it kind of like informs yes. also the entirety of like and this song in particular of at this point he has one request for the fans if any of you in any way hate homosexuals people of different color or women please do us one favor for us leave us the fuck alone don't come to our shows and don't buy our records and like yeah if that's just not the message there and uh stay away and also declaring that God is gay, you know? Hey. Yeah, last line of the song. <laughs> Fucking love that shit. Um, it's it's kind of funny because, like, uh, in an interview, Kirbyn, uh, Kirby, Kurt Cobain, Kirby, uh, <laughs> Kirby, uh, claimed that God, like, he that he was gay in spirit and that it probably could be bisexual. Um, and then he also used to spray paint God is gay on pickup trucks uh, <laughs> in the Al- Alberdeen area. That's so great. that was fucking rebel shit right there. I do like all the um, stories of just being uh, a, a ragamuffin. <laughs> <laughs> just him ragamuffin. fucking with the rednecks. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the life that I want to lead, lead really. Um, if anybody um, does make it to Seattle, do go to that pop culture museum because, of course, it's going to be filled. It's filled with Hendrix and uh, Cobain relics from... It was closed when I went there. Damn it, Kevin! Oh. No! That sucks. Like I said, uh, I said on an episode before, I think it was that Kids See Ghost episode, one of the coolest things at that museum was this little pink suitcase that the first tape that Kurt ever recorded of him playing music, he recorded his drums on that pink suitcase. 
Oh, just had two drumsticks, and he drummed on that pink little suitcase that was his sister's or something for the drum portion of his first mixtape. That's fun. There was a lot of hand, and then like a lot of handwritten notebooks of all of his lyrics, and then of course just Mm. memorabilia like guitars and sweatshirt or uh, some plaid, of course. That's cool. And then of course, and then they just had a ton of Hendrix's guitars because that man loved his guitars. (laughs) For sure. I wonder why. Um. I wonder why. Because he um, kept lining on to on a, <laughs> Right, fucking waste of money. Uh, moving on to uh, On a Plane, I am an idiot and thought it was literally a guy on like a plane like thinking about his life and everything. And I thought maybe it was like a story about uh, drugs and like being high and stuff like that. But then I realized it was the wrong plane. It's actually like P-L-A-I-N. I'm like, oh, well, fuck. Yeah, like the uh, geographical plane or the metaphysical yeah, plane. Yes. Yep. Um, but it's actually like uh, kind of tying back with like in bloom and stay away. It's like he's content with where his life is at right now, and like he like it's kind of saying like he doesn't really want to move forward or anything. He's just good where, where he's at. I look at this in something in the way as like uh, two outros because mm. um, on a plane matches kind of the tempo of the rest of it but something in the way gives you the message um so i i, I like I, I i would assume this is more uh, butch figs uh, orientation but they go together really well in the sense that they're polar opposites of their energy Mm-hmm. That's a, oh man okay yeah go ahead sorry continue well yeah so that's so going from I'm in a plane I can't complain to this this, this very somber uh, very light instrument instrumentalization <laughs> it would be hard that's to recreate really this without even knowing the chords um, it's uh, also uh, gives you a preview of the what my think I think my favorite piece of music from them is the unplugged session. Okay. Loved unplugged. Um, yeah, unplugged is very good. But yeah, like so it reminds me of it, it. Like it reminds me of that. It's very much that energy of there's this somber undertone to it the whole time. Well, that's the thing. Um, well, Kevin, I know you got something to say about On a Plane before we move over to well, something it, on, on the way. It's just to... Uh, I know it's more aligned about uh, him having trouble with uh, some writer's block, but uh, he ends with the third verse being, and one more special to, one more special message to go, and then I'm done, and I can go home. And it's very much... Uh, like, it's a great uh, framing device for the last song that like mm-hmm. you get one more thing and it's like alright we're finally done with all of this uh, work for something that is inherently something that you just try and do for fun like sure making a buck off of it is great and whatnot, but yeah. uh, it, it, it definitely feels like over the course of this entire album and the rest of his music uh, that Kurt was really writing this for himself and was never really a uh, means to an end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's kind of how his whole, you know, music career kind of went. It was just like he wrote what he wrote and that was (laughs) it, you know. Um, So going back to, or going on to something in the way, kind of going off of what Tony said earlier, um, how somber it was, I love that 
this was technically the end, but then the secret track uh, is like, it's kind of the opposite of what Tony said, how this uh, auto plane was kind of like that crash, and then uh, something in the way was kind of that burn. Um, but then the burn, this is like a burn for me, but then it crashes again with Endless and Nameless, and I fucking, I don't know, I love that it was like a secret track because of how, how crazy it was. Um, but the uh, cool thing about Something in the Way, uh, Kurt actually recorded the song uh, solo, and it made it much more emotional, like Butch Vig really enjoyed it. Uh, Dave and Chris, uh, Christ, sorry, <laughs> recorded later, and it was really hard to follow along with what uh, Kurt was playing because of how soft it was. Um, but what a way to end the album, really, for me. Um, also, I love Something in the Way because it taught me about... Uh, how drummers use brushes. I've never seen that before. Mm. I remember mm. Grohl using brushes in the unplugged. I'm like, what? <laughs> 13 um, year old me was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but then, yeah, so then we go from some something in the way to that secret track, Endless, Nameless, and... Uh, it kicks ass, because again, so many different influences. So it's like a metal song. Yeah. Hardcore song. By a grunge it band. Like, it was like the best way to sum up everything that Kurt was kind of going through at that time, especially like something because I yeah I can't I like, love the soft tones and yeah the soft tones and the soft parts like that's a really good guitar sound like he oh, just for sure. made it he made so many different these like so many like lonely guitar noises <laughs> yeah. But, like, lonely and not, like, you know, in a drug-fueled loneliness, not, like, a emo boy loneliness. It was very much a... <laughs> but, like... I hate everybody, but I'm sad that nobody loves me. Kind of, like... <laughs> I would say it, like, tiptoed the line a little bit where it was almost, like, sad boy and... But, uh... uh but it was still, like, it was still not quite there. Sad and it was dangerous. Like a yeah, sad and dangerous. That's um, what grunge is, sad and dangerous. And it just, it reminds me of those, just all these other harder tracks they produced. It reminds me of I Hate Myself and I Want to Die as well. Another one that I really like that's just balls to the wall of mm-hmm. pain. I mean, that one literally just sings pain as its chorus. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, and also, go ahead. Yeah, so it, it's just another one of those tracks, and it's why, you know, I think a lot of people gravitated, especially when they're younger and first getting into this kind of music, because there is so mo- so much just raw emotion in certain songs, like where he's just literally screaming stay away, or screaming pain, and shit like that. Don't need to know think, uh, all the, understand all the lyrics if you just understand the fucking chorus when it's yeah, one word. For sure. <laughs> um, I think this actually, you know, might have opened up a new way of looking at noise rock or noise yes. music if you want because if you look at territorial territorial pissing uh pissing and then endless nameless are kind of like noise band ish well yeah slightly some I of think. the best parts of those songs like territorial pissing is just him screaming yeah mm. like just Good him stuff. screaming with the start of the song it's like fuck yeah <laughs> you know it, it doesn't he doesn't even need to really sing to get you fucking pumped all right um so any final thoughts on this album before we shut it down no it's fantastic Tony? and uh people that turn their backs on this band are silly <laughs> it <laughs> kevin it reminded me how much i just absolutely love everything that they've done uh mm-hmm. it, it 
it was kind of the uh, uh, the Simpsons Principal Skinner meme, uh, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, the kids say the kids say this band suck. Am I out of touch? No, no, no it's the kids no. who are wrong. Except the, the kids children. are wrong. Because <laughs> yeah, like yeah, no, it's just kick-ass rock record. Yeah, no, and fucking rules. I think. Uh, it, it does. It absolutely rules. And it, like, if you can follow along with the emotions going through the entire album that Kurt Cobain is trying to send out, then fucking good on you. Because sometimes it's kind of hard to follow. And I think it is. It's uh, like in other ones like In Utero, where it goes harder and stuff, are still good. But I think this just caught the perfect energy because you had Cobain's chaotic mm-hmm. uh, energy and Butch Vig's just wanting to make it sound like it should (laughs) yeah for sure um so then you have these just two competing forces and then they you know combine together to make something really just its own thing Mm. yeah well that was it that was nirvana's nevermind glad we got to touch on this album very kind of cynical i don't want to say cynical but like the more i listen to it like the sadder i got sort of uh, There's a bit of nihilistic point. cheekiness to it. Yeah. But bit. for me, I feel a commonality with that man. Where right. it's like, you're right. A oh, lot of people are fucking shitheads. They should fucking <laughs> stay away and all that. Like, So it, it, it's... It, it, it also... You you have a kindred voice there, so it's 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 funny because it's ironic because yes, he hated fans and yes, he wanted to push a lot of people away. But at the same time, it does reach your ears. You're not going to go meet that, you know, Kurt Cobain. You could just feel he's your friend when you listen to the wavy sound. Right. The, the wavy air. The <laughs> wavy air. <laughs> All right. Um, I have one hyper-specific question for you guys, if you are into it. Yes. Unless you guys have more. All right. So, hold on. Hyper-specific. Dropped. Okay, cool. So, my question is, do you think there's another band uh, that if a member split off and did... Oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to question this right. Do you think there's another band that if one member of that band went and started another band, that it would be more famous than the original band? Are, that you, make any are sense? you trying to imply that the Foo Fighters are more famous than Nirvana? <gasps> yes. <laughs> Probably because they've been that, around longer. I, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I, think you know, Grohl, you know I think Dave Grohl is. Yeah, Dave Grohl no longer is, hey, that's the drummer from Nirvana. Dave Grohl is Dave Grohl. Like, and Dave it, Grohl. And then, like, a trivia side note, by the way. Did you know that? um so no that is fair uh but uh i don't know i mean my favorite band guy didn't break up his favorite band he just went and joined blink when he too (laughs) still feels like a fever dream from my middle school days like what if your two favorite bands merged i'd be so for it back then now it's just weird (laughs) well i'm trying to think if Nothing's out of the like. Uh, I'm trying to think if there could be anyone today that Scars uh, on Broadway go- sucked more than System of a Down, so that didn't work. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but their first album, Beyonce. Really fine. Fine, fine. Beyonce. Can I can I go with Beyonce? <laughs> Beyonce. Day oh, she got yeah. bigger. She got I bigger guess. than Destiny Child. Who's even? I guess big technically, right now? yes. That's I feel like one. an old man for asking. But I'm like, oh, who's even big right now? I used to get mad because I'm like, what <laughs> bands exist? Because I'd be on campus and I'd see people in Blink-182 shirts where I'm like, 
They were big when I was in middle school. Okay, come on, kids. Uh, <laughs> come that, on, kids. Uh, Event Sevenfold, where I'm like, again, they were big when I was in high school, and they got, they got shitty real quick. Why are you guys wearing <laughs> Event Sevenfold gear? And then 21 Pilots, which I, just makes me want to scream when I see that, because that's just... They were never... I thought, if, I, if, I can put, if I can put on my old head uh, hat old here head. real quick, uh, both Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel, I would argue, are bigger than Genesis. And mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. But, yep, that's good. Yeah, so that I always had crisis on fucking campus anyways, because I'm like, what band is big now? That Slipknot, because Slipknot released an album, so I started seeing Slipknot shit. Oh, uh, Stone Sour, <laughs> so speaking of another. Oh, God. Yeah, there you go. But I, I don't know. Stone Sour is not yeah, I, I wouldn't say they're bigger, yeah. I can't think yeah. of any guy that's like, he needs to break up with that band and make his own. Yeah, that was kind of a stretch, and it kind of on the fly, yeah, I thought of that can, question. It allowed so. us to open up discussion about either way. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I think Beyonce is my final answer. <laughs> Yeah, that probably works. If Beyonce broke up with Jay Z, would she get bigger? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> she would though. Alright. She would definitely All right. Alright, let's get out of here. Alright. That was Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh Kevin, thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you. I know it's kinda weird right now. I'm glad you're able to talk with us every week when we feel like talking some weird mad shit. Um yeah, all right. So not exactly radio. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, don't forget to support local artists, local venues. Don't forget to support local businesses. Get some curbside. Amber and I did that yesterday. We got some Points East wings. Delicious, Ooh. good stuff. It was so good, so fucking good. So do that. I'm Benny K, and that is Tony. Just Tony. Tony. Just Tony. We're out of here. Bye bye. Try